Cheers, Mama. Cheers. Busy upcoming week this week. Homeschool is firing up once again. How are you feeling yeah. about it? I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I always feel a little nervous going into the year because I always have really high hopes. And so my my plan this year was to simplify. Um, that's, really? Yeah. Well, my plan was to simplify, go back to the basics. Every every like three or four years, I like to take kind of a break year where we go back and master stuff that I feel like the kids are struggling or that got brushed over really quickly. And so that's this year. But I think I have failed at the whole simplification thing because now I've brought in a bunch of stuff that uh, looking back over 13 years of homeschool, I can say, oh, I really loved when we did this. Mm-hmm. And so something that I really miss since moving out here is our group learning, our family learning. We've always done like history and Bible and stuff like that together. And we haven't really done that so much since moving out here. It's been really independent. Like this is yours, this is yours. And so I feel like we've been missing out on that. So I'm bringing that back in. But I got so excited that I found like my totes of history. And now I have like the year planned out. Plus I brought in a bunch of new stuff. And like from the, I discovered the Tuttle twins and I brought in a bunch of stuff from them. And I, now I'm like, okay, my simple year has just gotten crazy. You sound very excited and enthused about it, which is funny because I know yeah. we're going to get a few weeks or months into this. Yes. And if we are to revisit it, you will not necessarily yeah. be as enthusiastic about it. It's a lot of work. Credit to you. You've done a great job with this over the last, this is year number 13 for you. Year number 13. And um, it makes life a little more complicated for us on a day-to-day basis, especially with everything else that we have going on. So yeah, I'm glad that school's going to be back in session for our kids at home. But at the same time, I know it's going to be more difficult for you and I to find time to do stuff like this, unfortunately, yeah. but it is what it is and it needs to be done. So. Yeah. Just working around, working around the property is harder. I mean, now we're not going to be getting started till one o'clock in the afternoon and it gets dark a lot sooner. So that definitely shortens our work day. So I think a lot of times in our videos, we're going, well, we're getting a late start today. We're getting a late start today. And it's because we school our kids in the morning. Because we are. Yeah, Yeah, because it's (laughs) 1.30. So very busy upcoming week. We had a really interesting uh, week this past week because there was an issue that um, came to us. It found us. Yes, it did. We did not seek it out. It is a new situation for us to be encountering together as parents. I think all in all, it went very smoothly, but it was, uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, it, it came to us. Well, luckily it was brought to us and I'm really thankful for that. So we have not allowed our children to have cell phones until they turn 16. So we only have one child above 16 right now. She's had her phone for about a year. And the reason we picked 16 is because it's such a distracting item, Mm -hmm. but now she's out and about and she's on her own. If she needs to call us from the side of the road or at a party or something like that and have us come pick her up. We want her to have the ability to do that. Yeah, we put it off as long as we could. Yeah, and for reasons such as what we dealt with this week. So at one thirty in the morning. Oh, she- hold on, before we even get into this, oh. I do want to say that we already had a discussion with Nevea about this. Yeah. We wanted to make sure that she was comfortable with us even discussing this here in the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And We're not she, just sharing her. She her- signed off on it. So before anybody gets a little freaked out at this story. Yeah. Just know that uh, we had a prior discussion and she said, A-OK, have at A-OK, it. A-OK, you can share this, mom and dad. So she came to us day before yesterday. She had gotten a text message at 1.30 in the morning from a 15-year-old boy asking for an inappropriate picture of her. And she's never met this child, but it was only a, a two words. The, the, uh, yeah, not not yeah, important. Yeah. Basically, the kid just wanted... Um, Picks certain photographs kind of, of her body yeah um so she brought this to us and she was kind of like laughing like can you believe this kid can and obviously as parents we were a little more disturbed by it because it's kind of an attack on your child it's extremely disrespectful and it's disrespectful to the family as well. You know, this yeah. is somebody's daughter. Unfortunately, I get that this has become an all too common occurrence with teenagers nowadays. Um, but for us, because we do homeschool and we we maintain a very uh, somewhat a very sheltered environment uh, for our kids, it just felt uh, like a weird intrusion mm-hmm. had occurred. Yeah, like how dare know. he? <laughs> yeah. So again, I tried not to like my initial reaction was to remain quiet. Because I knew that if I had just like viscerally reacted in the moment that it probably would have been a little aggressive. Um, So I I took a step back. You guys kind of chatted about it. And then it was actually the following day that Mm -hmm. she came back and she and I had a discussion about 
maybe how it is that I can assist in handling this situation. Yeah, she had no problem coming to you and trusting you to handle it in the way that you saw fit. And I thought that was really great for a 17-year-old girl who would probably, I mean, be more prone to just show her friends and and laugh about it it or keep it from us. Yeah, Yeah. because it obviously strums up like this is why we don't want you to have a phone and social media and 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 things like that. So it was nice that she felt that she could be honest and, and come to us and trust her dad at 17 years old to handle it. And not that she couldn't handle it, but she kind of wanted you to. Yeah. And so that was a good part of it. I was very proud of her and I was very happy that she felt comfortable enough to bring that to our attention, mm-hmm. like you said. And so th- what, what ended up happening was that we, we managed to track down and contact this kid's parent, um, his, his mom. Yeah, because he was quite a bit younger than Nevaeh. Yeah, and it was never, so I reached out to her and it was not at all my intent to start a debate or argument or anything like that. I just felt that it was my responsibility to relay this information to her so that she had knowledge of the fact that this is how her child was conducting himself online. At 1.30 in the morning. At 1.30 in the morning, yeah, which I I mean, personally, I found troubling. If it was my kid, if it was my son, you know, I got two sons, we have a teenage boy. Um, If it were me, like, yeah, I would be... um, disappointed to, to say the least <laughs> disappointed yeah i would be livid if i found out that my son was conducting himself like that there would be serious discussions and repercussions because to me that is completely unacceptable agreed and so i reached out to her let her know hey this is what's going on like i i don't need an explanation i just wanted to make you aware of it and we joked ahead of time before i even contacted her that like this interaction was going to go poorly and it sort of did it wasn't it wasn't like horrible by any means but she pretty much instantly became very dismissive of her son's conduct and found a thousand and one excuses to fire Mm -hmm. back at me as to why it is that she thought that it wasn't him her kid was not actually the one sending these messages even though i presented her with a very clear evidence to the contrary and then um she actually said no i just talked to him he said he didn't do it so you know i had to point out like hey do you can you maybe entertain the possibility that this kid is trying to salvage a little pride and you know spare himself some embarrassment with being confronted with this type of information by his mom Mm -hmm. and of course that wasn't met um (laughs) in a a positive way and but ultimately i just told her look i I just want to make sure that you were aware of this he's your child handle it however you want i don't need to know what it is you plan on doing but on my behalf if you could please at the very least relay to him that as her father i would appreciate it if he would no longer contact my daughter because clearly this is unwanted attention on her part, and I find it highly inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. It it was really disappointing because I think that 20 years ago, you, a parent could come to another parent and that the adults could actually hear each other. Yeah, as and, it should be. And now there is such... And I think it used to be so much on the extreme. If you got in school in trouble at school, you were in so much trouble at home. Like my mm-hmm. dad literally talked about like walking through the door and just getting smacked in the head mm-hmm. because a, a teacher had called and he was never even asked what happened. And so that's the extreme on the other on the other end. And so I think that the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction that now we as parents are so defensive and so protective of our little Johnnies that we won't even entertain the fact that they may be guilty and they may be lying. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm all for, I mean, if somebody, if somebody were to come to us with the same accusation, I would, again, try to remain calm and I would definitely approach our kids and start mm-hmm. prodding and asking questions and investigating, essentially. Right. And depending on their response, you know, I mean, I feel like with what it is that I, I gave her as far as information, it was pretty cut and dry and very obvious so for her to continue on with being very dismissive i told her i'm like hey i just think you're doing your son a disservice yeah again i I don't need an explanation she's like i don't i'm not gonna break down for you like how it is that he's gonna be punished i said yeah fine i don't i don't care if he gets punished at all but for you to come back at me by saying oh i don't think it was him and here are the reasons why three reasons why and then when you disproved all three of those reasons then she resorted to well that's what snapchat's used for yeah it was just very (laughs) very discouraging and very disheartening and and again completely a sign of the times i know when i was in law enforcement and i was having to deal with parents for um, issues involving juveniles that it was much of the same thing like hey um I don't know, it's like all your your anger and frustration as a parent gets directed at the person that's bringing something to your attention rather than holding your child accountable. And I think that's 
a big part of the reason that we're seeing such a decay in our, at least in our American society today mm-hmm. with young people is because they, there's, there's zero accountability. Yeah. So oftentimes they haven't been punished when uh, acting inappropriately. Yeah. Well, there's a lack of accountability in the school because the school's hands are tied in so many cases where they just really can't do anything. And the kids know that and they see the rules as arbitrary and that they don't have to follow them. These are stupid rules. And so they don't. And then there's also a lack of accountability at home. I think there's a lot of distracted parents. And then with being a distracted parent or a really busy parent, there's also guilt attached to that. So then you feel like I'm going to protect my child so deeply. If anybody says anything, I'm mama bear. Like it's mama bear should roar her ugly head when there's like a predator situation. But when another parent is coming to you with something I think that you're doing yourself, your child, society, really your child then and in the future a disservice by making excuses for their poor behavior Mm -hmm. because you're telling that child you can do whatever you want and mama's going to make sure it's fine. And that's how you breed little brats that nobody likes. If you have a brat at school or a brat on the playground, the other kids don't want to play with them and Mm -hmm. that carries on through life. Yeah, like You have to learn to, to... conduct yourself in an acceptable way. Yeah, I think job number one as a parent, especially with kids that are teenagers or young adults, is to provide them with the necessary guidance. Yes. And this was a perfect opportunity for her on her end to have a a very important discussion with her son about how it is that he he should conduct himself when interacting with members of the opposite sex. And um, again, I just came away from it as just very, very frustrated and disheartened, but it actually led to another discussion mm-hmm. For us on our side of things in our our household about um being approached by people that you don't know right about sexually explicit topics mm-hmm. and and how that doesn't always start that way uncomfortable like, conversation to have but yeah. so so important yeah important for all of our children and so Um, I actually came across this interview. I was listening to another podcaster who brought it up. And so I went and listened to the interview in full. And it was actually an interview from a child predator. And he was a baseball coach. Mm. And then I think he also had stuff to do with like um, other childhood things. Like I don't know if it was a YMCA or, or boys club or somewhere where he volunteered. But he basically put himself in these positions. To yeah, be kind he's of he's got access to kids. Yeah, access to kids. Right. So um, I'm always very skeptical of any adult, males primarily, because I know that there are female predators out there, but they are statistically way more likely to be males. Also, I think that female predators are looked at and treated much differently for whatever reason. Yeah. It's become a very prevalent thing, especially like in schools in with schools. like teach female teachers yeah. and young male students. Bervilli. Yeah, and it, it used to be, at least I think it was thought of as being a very rare circumstance, mm-hmm. but now it seems like, like it happens on a regular basis yeah, with, and yeah, with people, and do not, people do not react and respond to those situations in the same way, which I find mm-hmm. really odd and interesting. Yeah, I think people kind of primarily think that, that it, it's men that are child predators. Oh, and I'm sure that, that it, it is, is actually statistically. statistically yes. Sure. Yeah. But it's just weird. The, the reaction It's like, if it's a, if it's a 16 year, 15 year old boy that is being victimized by his 30 year old female teacher, mm-hmm. there's not this massive uproar of like, how dare you? It's yeah. it, flip those roles to where you have a 30 year old male and a 15 year old female and people appropriately so lose their minds over it. I just don't yeah. understand why it's not uh, applicable to both of those situations. It's so bizarre. I think any time that any adult wants to inject themselves into the lives of your child. You've got to be a little skeptical. You have to be a little skeptical, especially if they're showing your child um, special behavior, you know, attention. attention, yeah. Like they're going out of their way to single out your child or they're they're finding opportunities to be around your child or anything like that. You have to be very skeptical. Um, It's It's a very pessimistic mentality to have, but I think that when it comes to your children, you shouldn't be taking unnecessary risk. At the very least, just be aware and pay a little extra attention in those circumstances. And it's such a hard thing because there are some incredible people in these roles, youth Mm -hmm. pastors, coaches, uh, volunteers at different boys and girls clubs, after school care, teachers, there's incredible leaders and role models that do just want to be there for children that maybe don't have fathers But 
You have to understand as a parent that predators will seek out these opportunities and place themselves in these positions. This is why we're seeing it more and more in our churches with um, Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and coaches. You're the, seeing it more and more. It's the perfect recipe, right? It you is. as the child are the subordinate. I'm the leader. You are to defer to me. And, you know, I get to dictate a lot of these situations and you cannot question me, be disrespectful, any of that. And right. so, yeah, when you have a kid that's come up in like maybe a broken home and doesn't have that uh, sense of morality or what is what is right and what is absolutely wrong mm -hmm. yeah you muddy those waters and you you blur those lines and things can become very sticky unfortunately very quickly yeah well did you see did you watch the interview with that no you told interview? me about the interview and i i was interested but i wanted to hold off so that we could maybe watch it and react in real time here on the podcast right, we'll, we'll include this video clip on the actual podcast but um yeah it's a Pull it up. It's like okay. what, two or three minutes. Yeah, it's like two minutes long. Well, so. Let me set it up here and then we'll pause it if we have to. If there's something you feel you want to speak on based on what it is that he's saying, because Guys, it's he's yeah. very, you said he's very, very open and transparent about what his strategy essentially was with yeah. finding victims. He's a convicted child predator, Jack Reynolds, and he describes how he groomed his, his victims, I guess, over many, many years. Let me set it up right here. All right. All right. It's going to disturb me. I was going to say, you try not to kill this guy through the screen. Yeah. All right, ready? Yep. You know, financially, I would check out their social interaction with other kids. You know, when we were on the ballparks or on the, on the gym floor, you know, I would make sure which ones I wanted to molest. I would give them special attention, congratulate them, talk to them when I know that I would never be allowed to talk to anybody else, you know, aside from everybody. I would give them the attention that a, an official is not supposed to give anybody. And it made them feel like, wow, he's paying me attention. You know, it, it is a direct form of grooming. Were there certain <laughs> characteristics so that you looked for in children before molesting them? In children, yes, but more I also looked at their families. If I thought the father was a threat, I would not approach the child. Mm. If I thought that... So that's, that's huge. That's huge. So that's the biggest thing he said. When picking your victims, what did you look for? Susceptibility and not having uh, any... Not being met with any... Resistance. Resistance. Yeah. Is, I'm just trying to find a very strategic word. Yeah, resistance. Good one. I think the... The, yeah. So the very first thing he would do was look to the father. And it wasn't just looking to see if it was a single mom. It was sometimes the fathers could be there, but maybe they were more passive. Maybe they were not likely to ruffle feathers or ask questions. Maybe fathers were distracted. Yeah, the path of least resistance, right? right? If you know you're not going to have some, some dad that's going to handle that situation right. appropriately, of course, that's going to be appealing to you as a child predator. Yeah. So you're definitely not that kind of father. And you've proved that in situations in the past where <laughs> you very quickly go from being a dad walking through the park to being dangerous for somebody. I call it blind rage. As yeah. A, it's parental blind rage. But why is this guy, is this guy sitting at home? Yeah, it seems like. How it, is like, he not in prison? I don't know. With as open as he's discussing his. Uh, because he served his time. Is yeah. that the case? Really? I don't know. It does not look like he's in prison. All right. That's, uh, I'm curious to hear what else he has to say here. Child had friends that he would tell. I would not approach him. If I thought the child had friends that were in the same capacity he was. I would approach him for the simple fact that if I could molest him, I could lure him into believing, grooming him into believing that he would enjoy it. And therefore, I could manipulate him into having his other friends come and be molested by me as well. So perhaps a, a, a child that doesn't really have a whole lot of friends, maybe not really a strong family, things like that. Yes, no spiritual values. Um, Okay, so that's another thing. Weak in education, you know. No spiritual values. No spiritual values. Like, what a weird thing for a predator to bring up. I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's, um, you know, it's, yeah, something that you look for because it's, it's easier to overcome. Yeah. 
Well, I think what maybe what he was looking for is just does this child have an innate sense of right and wrong? Morality, yeah. Like that's yeah. that's literally what we were saying, right? Because uh, uh, a young mind without that, that hasn't been provided that kind of guidance might might question things like this feels wrong, but maybe mm -hmm. this is okay. He's convinced me that it's okay and yeah. that this is normal and that, uh, hey, I'm going to enjoy it, in fact. Yeah. Well, and then he also looked for children that were very isolated and and didn't fit in and he would look at their clothing and stuff like that to see to if, get a sense of how well off they were yeah how yeah. well off the family was and so i think that's if you have a child that maybe doesn't fit in and um you're noticing an adult taking a special interest in that child like you might as a, a mother be like this is so great he mm -hmm. really needs that encouragement yeah but you must be skeptical of that adult I, again and if you are not skeptical whatsoever that's something that's going to be exploited like we yeah. said on the last podcast like it's great to be positive and look for the the positives in people but when you know when somebody like this recognizes that in you that's something that can be taken advantage of and oh, it can yeah. be 100 exploited yeah and if they're like you know, I just want to take him to pizza and, and have a, right. a, a a day with him. No, yeah, never do that. Never do that. Even no. <laughs> I don't like using words like never, but I you do. should be cautious. You should one hundred percent be cautious because just, it's it's so easy to to. I think if you're not there, you're not being cautious. Like if there's an adult that is not somebody that you grew up with and you know is a safe person wanting to take your child from you, volunteering that, showing them special attention, then it's not worth the risk. I personally completely agree with you, but I know that there are going to be others that uh, very strongly disagree. Okay. Needs help in many ways. Um, even from uh, split parenting, you know, has a mother who may be having problems with the family, you know, well, here comes superhero in to help out you know wow well thank you very much yeah. exactly. no problem you ever need me to take them away for the night so you can have a night out no problem it works it works i'm confused about why it is that this guy is being so honest after the fact is he trying to make up for his actions somehow i guess i don't really know the history as to why he's being so open about it um i would hope that he's trying to to kind of educate make up people for his actions um Disturb. It's hard to hear, um, but it it's is. it's it's what's real, right? And it, it kind of yeah. gives you a glimpse into the mindset of these guys, and uh, it can be helpful information to to have as a as a parent, right? If if you're looking for all the to identify all these susceptibilities, it's things that you can address. Oops, sorry. Based based on, I mean, you're getting straight from the horse's mouth in that case. So highly disturbing. Did you show the kids this video? Uh, no, I haven't. You didn't show it to Nevaeh. Uh, actually, Nevaeh was watching it when I was watching it. So what yeah, was, Nevaeh saw take? it. She, she was say? just like, you know, what a creep. And she's always been super skeptical of people. So <laughs> can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grew up with us. Um, but you know, she's old enough to, to handle that. I think these are definitely conversations that we should have with our children, but at the same time right now, there is no opportunity for, I don't allow opportunity. You don't allow opportunity for an adult that is not a grandfather to be alone with our children. Just whenever it's come to our kids, there is, I'm not, it's not worth taking the risk. It's not worth the gamble when it comes to my kids. And yeah, you can call me overprotective. You can call me paranoid, but it, in the end, I will know that I, I kept my kids safe. And, right. and that's where, you know, my, my heart lies with making all of those decisions. They're big decisions to make. And Again, you can disagree with them, but when it comes to my kids, yeah. I don't fool around and I'm not willing to take the risk, no matter how minuscule it may seem to be. Well, and I think a huge part of that too is your kids trusting you and I to be able to come to us with anything. So yeah. even if it's something that they screwed up on, even if it's something that maybe is embarrassing, they still know that they can come to us. We're going to tell them the truth and we're going to handle it. To that guy's point, I mean, it's it's why I am the way that I am when it comes to the kids, right? I, I want to make sure that I'm never looked at or perceived to be that weak mm -hmm. father yeah. that he's referring to. In fact, the polar opposite. I want to make sure that if anything, you are borderline uneasy yeah. around me when it comes to my kids because truth be told, that's basically the case, yeah. Well, there was a situation when Nevaeh was playing soccer and she had... Um, one coach that she only had for a very short period of time because it did not work out. And um, 
And she had a really great coach. And then she had this one for like a half a season or something. And we said something to her at practice, like the very first practice, like, good job, Nevea, when she kicked a goal. Mm. And he turned to us and he was like, Mm-mm, parents don't. And he shushed you. And you shut that down so quickly with him. I mean, so you've never been the guy that gave that message of you're going to dictate anything with my child. Mm-hmm. You snap back at him. And so I take situations like that as a test, yeah. as like a, a little barometer of like, hey, what can I get away with with you? Well, come to find out, you cannot get away with any of that when it comes to me. Yeah. You will not get between me and my child or dictate how it is that I choose to interact with my child. None of that. And we're going to nip right. that in the butt immediately. Immediately. And so you send that message right away of Absolutely. like, I am a threat to you. <laughs> and I I'm not a great. threat unless <laughs> I, I'm required yeah. to be, right. but, but know that. That you are, and you can be, you because, could, you can be very dangerous to somebody. Um, yeah, that's, and, and that's, you know, they, I know for a fact that these predators will put out little feelers like that. Mm-hmm. They are basically little mini tests to see how far it is that they can, they can push those boundaries. Right. And so I don't, again, it's, you know, is the second I pick up on that, especially with my background, I, I just, I'm automatically weary of people, but in, in situations and circumstances like that, right. uh, absolutely. I'm not going to tolerate that for a second. Anyone who tries to drive a divide between us as parents and our children, I'm done. We're out. Right. So I think this kind of comes back to homeschooling a little bit and why we made the choice to homeschool. And it's not because we're afraid that there's all these predators out there. Granted, when you look at the statistics of people that reported being uh, molested growing up, it's like one in three. Yeah. That is staggering. And a lot of this is done. This, a lot of this is at home, uncles, stepdads, um, but not always. A lot of it's coaches, teachers, um, friends. So I've always been really wary of sleepovers. Mm-hmm. If there is a brother in the house, you may not sleep over um, for our girls. If I just, we've only said yes to maybe three sleepovers with Nevaeh growing up. And I kind of always said that we were never going to do sleepovers. But then there was like end of the year soccer parties where it was 18 girls mm-hmm. sleeping over with a coach that we trusted that she had had for a long time. Then we were friends with the family and stuff. And there were all these other girls and they were all sleeping together. So we said yes twice there. And then once to a neighbor's sleepover where it just was not a problem. Yeah. It's hard to do when you parent and think and feel the way that we do, but you have to weigh those risks. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of things to take into consideration. Like you said, are there going to be a number of girls there? Because that Mm -hmm. probably lowers the risks, right? Right. So it's all very situational when it comes to, you know, our, our parenting style and making those decisions. But you, it, because you want to afford your child these experiences. You want to allow right. for them to have a good time and, you know, have fun with their friends and know what it's like to stay at somebody else's house. But again, I think it's so important to really take your time to think about it, uh, consider all of the risks and uh, make decisions based on whatever it is that you deem to be appropriate. Yeah. And you have to know what's going on like in, in the household too, because, yeah. you know, if there are older brothers or things like that, I just find it inappropriate. Would you let him sleep over at a house? with boys like you don't know the situation you're not there i just to me it's just a no that's an automatic deal killer so in today's day and age it seems like we are definitely the exception when it comes to like our thought process with all of these situations do you do you think that that's the case do you think that we're the rare very extreme exception because it seems like a lot of people are so very nonchalant about like oh you can stay at whoever's house like i don't know them i don't know their parents but yeah go ahead enjoy have fun um i this, I, this I don't think we're alone. I don't. I don't want to be judgmental of anyone else's, right. you know, parenting style. But I think. I think when we we lay things out like this, we come across as being extremely right. Uh, just very extreme. Right, and and maybe we are. And I guess I am extreme when it comes to our kids. And there's a lot of people that will argue that that's a detriment to your child. Mm-hmm. You're you're sinking your talons in as yeah as. Dr. Jordan Peterson puts it, uh, he's... Yeah, he would disagree with us. He would disagree with us greatly. He thinks that one of the most dangerous things for a child is for an overbearing mom to be overbearing. Uh, Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, he he's made statements such as, you know, 15 years ago, he's a little more lax on the homeschool now because homeschool has become more prevalent, Very more trendy, more mainstream. Yeah. And you're getting people on both sides of the aisle very passionate about homeschool and... Um, but 15 years ago, 20 years ago, like when I was homeschooled, 
he said he was very skeptical of the families that would homeschool. Mm-hmm. Hope you guys are enjoying today's conversation. Today's episode of the podcast is actually being brought to you commercial free by the good folks over at Delete Me. A couple of weeks ago, we signed up for a service called Delete Me in an attempt to stop some of these crazy phishing emails we were getting and also get some of our private information offline. And we have been so impressed with all the information that Delete Me has not only found, but deleted for us. We learned that there are corporations out there called data brokers that will scour the web, gathering huge amounts of your personal identifiable information. They will use government sites, self-reported information, even your own social media. They will gather things like your birth date, your social security number, your family members, even your past addresses. And then they will put it all together and create a profile on you that they then license and sell to other data brokers, companies, pretty much anyone that has a personal interest in your personal information. That's right. And this is a huge problem because it puts you and the people that you care about at risk for things like phishing scams and identity theft. After our very first scan, Delete Me found 49 different data brokers that had our personal identifiable information. We were able to tell them exactly what we wanted deleted and their privacy experts took it from there. The really cool thing is now they will continually scan the web to make sure that our private information doesn't pop up elsewhere. Melissa and I both highly recommend the services provided by Delete Me. If you sign up under their family plan, you can protect not only yourself, but also your loved ones. This is especially beneficial for maybe some of your elderly family members because they are so oftentimes a target for these scammers. To give Delete Me a try for yourself and those you care about, just click the link below or go to joindeleteme.com slash GSL and use our code GSL to get 20% off all consumer plans. We want to thank Delete Me for sponsoring today's episode of the podcast and keeping it commercial free. Now let's get back to our conversation. Like a lot of times there's abusive families that homeschool. There's people that claim to homeschool. They don't educate their children at because all. Because his perception is that it's all based on control. Control and and trying to, to hide from something or to avoid something. And um, I just don't think that he, he believes that it's healthy to be withdrawn mm-hmm. to, to that extent, especially for kids who are developing, you know, social skills and all that, which I, I completely understand and I get. And yes, that is one of the major drawbacks to homeschooling your kids. Yeah. He thinks that children need to uh, begin being socialized around the age of three. Mm. And I would argue I that disagree that's with that. not that necessary, <laughs> but he, he says that, you know, no, they need to learn that how to approach a child, how to ask them to be a friend, how to ask them to play, how to be rejected, how to all of this in these very formative years. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can find situations for your child just by taking, I used to just take Nevada to the park and I'd sit her there and I'd, I'd set her loose and, and observe the interactions and she would always wander up to kids and she would have those same interactions, but I was able to, to view it. She was a little tough. There were a couple of occasions of shoving other children off the swings, but, um, <laughs> But it was funny because as a homeschool family, the siblings become very reliant on one another mm-hmm. as friends and they become very protective of one another and they play a much more active role in the lives of their siblings, mm-hmm. education, entertainment, friendship, everything. Kaimani is extremely active as a leader and a male role model in the lives of Eli and Kira. Mm-hmm. He almost has like a father-like yeah, it's he's modeling what it is that he is familiar with. And he takes that role very seriously. And you've kind of instilled that in him. You'll say, you know, he is watching you. He looks up to you. And he takes that. He takes pride in that. I've We've explained to him, we all have roles in our family, like it or not. We do. Right. My role is a protector and provider. You are a caregiver, all that. And I've we've definitely had discussions, he and I, about his role as an older brother to Kira and to Eli. And the fact that, hey, as I become older... You will also become older, except mm-hmm. I'm on the, you know, I'm on the downhill. Let's be real about it. And, yeah. you know, when you are in your 20s and 30s, you will take on the role of family mm-hmm. protector. Yeah. Potentially provider. And so you need to start looking at it that way. And he definitely does in those times and situations where the younger kids have had issues with other other kids. Um, well, he has a reluctance with stepping up to the plate and being like, hey, knock it off. Mm-hmm. He's very good about looking out for his younger siblings. He is, yeah. Um, he's stood up for Kira in a situation where a boy was kind of picking on her at, at a barbecue and and had no problem stepping in physically when needed. And yeah. I had no problem with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that um, there's been a real attack lately on the nature of boys and men. Masculinity. Masculinity, the patriarchy, uh, the, the evil patriarchy. And 
while granted there are things in the past, I think we can always learn from things in the past and we can always be better. It doesn't mean that you have to nix it all together. It doesn't mean like snuff this out. Everything masculine is toxic. I, I hate the term toxic masculinity because there's nothing toxic about true masculinity, about being a husband and a father and a provider and a a trustworthy, strong man. There is nothing toxic about that. That's a a beautiful thing. And it's needed in our society. It's needed in the lives of our children. It's needed in our families. I completely agree. And again, it's all circumstantial, right? You can't say that like male aggression is bad across the board. not across the board. It can be like Mm -hmm. anything else. It can be used for bad. It can be used for evil. But at the same time, it can be used to keep you and your family or your, you know, uh, people just around you safe. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. We need males and females, but primarily males. Let's be real about it. Like to, we need people in our police forces. We need people in our military. Mm-hmm. It's so vital, so important. And to try to diminish that or even deem it to be negative in, in really any way is, is so detrimental to our society and country as a whole. And yeah, I, I, I get incredibly frustrated when I hear people calling for that. Like, hey, it's not okay for you to embrace the things that that make you a man. Yeah, like absolutely it is. And you yeah. should be grateful for it. Yeah, I don't I don't like the demasculization of little boys where I mean if you take a toddler that's never been told a little boy that's never been told to sit down and calm down and don't do this and you give them a stick, within 30 seconds, they're going to be beating the snot out of a tree with it, <laughs> you know, or it's going to or become a friends, rifle. Or their friends, or their parents, or <laughs> no, their siblings. No, no, no. I mean, that's, that's all taught through, I mean. You think that's they, learned behavior? No, I think that's natural behavior. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, completely agree. And you learn to control your, the urges, and you learn how to properly <laughs> take your masculinity or your aggressiveness, and, and, and your ball of energy that is a young boy and you learn to funnel that productively but but i don't think that we should never tell them that it's it's a bad thing or negative thing it's this is the appropriate time to use it this is not the appropriate when it came to a 15 year old boy it was not the appropriate time to be aggressive but you were still you know assertive if it's a male predator that and they're looking at you and they're putting feelers out and they're testing dad. That is an appropriate time to be aggressive. Exercise a little male aggression. If you're walking with your girlfriend and somebody tries to rip the purse out of her off her arm, you don't want to be this beta male because you're not going to get a second date for one. And you, that is the appropriate time to step up as a role of protector of somebody who may not be able to protect themselves. As a woman, I would love to say I'm tough, I'm aggressive, I'm assertive, but I am five feet tall, I weigh 100 pounds. It is just a matter of of physical truth that I cannot defend myself against a man without some kind of a tool, which I may not always have on me. So Ideally, yeah, and the same is true for me. I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but it doesn't matter. I will. There are very few things that I will fight to defend and mm-hmm. risk my life for, but my family is at the top of that list. Right. So it, it really doesn't matter. I just, I, again, I just become frustrated when we, we, there's this narrative amongst a group of people that are trying to say that it's, it's bad for you to, to embrace what it is that makes you male when to the contrary, we should be grateful for it and be glad that there are males out there that, that are, you know, comfortable with, uh, uncomfortable situations yeah. and, and using their aggressions to keep themselves and other people safe around them. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're a, held captive in some other country you're happy as snot to see a navy seal breaking down the window to come get you like you are thanking your lucky stars that there are men out there in those roles loving it loving playing commando and i think that's they're needed so the reason that this came up was because you're you're i think you were going down the path of like little boys mm-hmm. and what the expectations are and the expectations that are set for them in a schooling environment here yeah. in the united states yeah where the ex- expectation is that you're going to sit down you're going to be quiet you're going to remain calm and you're going to listen to the person that's in charge mm-hmm. you are to take in and process that information that is a big ask for a little boy it's a huge ask for a little boy so now we're looking at I mean, let's look at ADHD rates. And now I'm not saying that ADHD is not real. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get up here and I'm pretend to be some professional. Do I think it's overdiagnosed? Yes, I do. When you've got 
37% of girls being diagnosed with ADHD or, or being on Ritalin or some kind of a amphetamine to suppress their personality versus boys, you've got five to 10%, depending on the area, diagnosed with ADHD. Hmm. Do we really think that five to 10% of our little boys have a disorder or are they just built differently and that doesn't jive with the confines of the American public school system or it's not even public it's school. It's just school just as a whole. School the way system. the way we model our schools in in I think most countries, most like Western well, civilizations. It's very new. So and and it started only like maybe 150 years ago. This whole like we've all grown up in the school system and our parents grew up in the school system and their parents grew up in the school system. And it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense and there hasn't mm -hmm. been a lot of uh, modifications or adaptations along the way. Well, and when you look at the way that it was created and why, it's kind of disturbing. So I'm not going to get like totally into it, but if you really, like if you're interested, go look at the history of the school as we know it. The six, seven uh, hour day, the standing in lines, the raising the hands, the deaths in a row, all of these things were done by design. You had... Um, primarily females at the top, uh, at the front of the school. Now we, we've got a lot more male teachers now in modern schools, but it was primarily females and that mm -hmm. was also by design. And what do you mean? Why was that by design? It was just to be kind of like this maternal role. It was oh. a little bit less um, threatening, but yet they had a role. And, yeah, it's, and they it's knew what it was. Motherly looking over the kids. Yeah. Looking after the children. So school was not mandatory. I mean, if you look at like the history of America and all through Europe and stuff, so a lot of kids learned in their churches. They would have little one room school churches. That was very common. Um, most kids were taught at home. And that was, you learned to read and write at home by mm -hmm. reading, whether it was the Bible or, or other literature. And then they would read to the mom while she was cooking and they would have to write papers. And that was how they learned. Mm -hmm. And these were a lot of farmers and things like that. But then with the Industrial Revolution, they needed factory workers. Yeah. So it was like Rockefeller put billions of dollars into the, the school system and created what we now know as this public school institution. Free school. It sounds really nice. But his direct quote when funding the school system was, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. workers. Yeah, 100%. That's what uh, our system is responsible for turning out and understandably mm -hmm. so. But there, it, it doesn't mean that you should. It, it's not necessarily what is best for all of our kids. Right. It doesn't It doesn't work for everybody. Right. And And so there's one model and you have to fit in. And if you don't fit into the model of it like ADHD peaks at the age of eight we have an eight-year-old boy and I can completely see why they say that oh, he's a slam dunk ADHD like, yeah I, I guarantee he would be slapped with that label they would say that he had severe ADHD and they would medicate him and they would suppress everything that makes him 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 that <laughs> makes him this this incredible inquisitive highly intelligent hyperactive mind all over the place child that wants to know everything about everything and he's excited about learning and knowledge i feel like 70 maybe 80 percent of what he says comes in the form of a question oh throughout the 100%. day percent most inquisitive person i've ever met hey dad i already know the next word is going to be <laughs> why <laughs> what <laughs> how <laughs> yeah when yeah, which is great. And I think it's a beautiful thing that we live in an environment here. We've fostered and, and kind of molded an environment here where all of our kids feel comfortable being those free spirits to uh, pursue whatever it is that they are interested in and to ask questions about whatever it is that they are interested in. Yeah. It's part of why Eli goes balls to the wall with, with you know, the things Everything. that he loves, whether it be aviation, dinosaurs, uh, becoming an astronaut. Currently, it's about North Korea. North Korea. Somehow, because, you know, that's a normal thing for an <laughs> eight-year-old kid to become fixated with. Do you know why he's interested in North Korea? So I asked him about it. He's been watching everything that he could possibly find on North Korea. He's been listening to interviews of people that have fled North Korea. And he says, well, I can never go there. So because he can never go there, he loves to investigate. He wants to know yeah. everything that he can find out about this untouchable area so when he's not currently asking questions about something he's interested in he's hitting us with uh random facts about north korea yeah. which if somebody came into our household and like watched this be like what is going on here what is your son doing or and prior to this he became completely obsessed with world war ii 
Yeah. I mean, he loves all the, he loves oh, history. Normandy indeed. Yeah. He likes to wrap his head around things from like a, a chronologically, like mm-hmm. he wants to know how we came to be in the world right. here today and what, what led up to it. Right. And so and what, what eight year old does that? I don't know, but I love that he has the freedom to do it. Um, and I know that that would not work in the public school. When a teacher is trying to give a lecture to 20 children, you can't have one kid in the back of the class going, wait, wait, stop. So what you're saying is, or can we go back? Well, how did you can't have that kind of disruption in a classroom? And I think he would learn very quickly to suppress the wonder and the thoughts because it's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And if he was unable to do that, um, the suggestion would probably be to medicate him into making him conveniently able. And let's sit. be clear here. You and I are both products of public school. Mm-hmm. You went to private school for a very... I went to private <clears throat> school till second grade. Then I was um, homeschooled through elementary after that. Yeah. And then I went back into public school in the seventh grade. So I was public school from kindergarten through my senior year. So I'm like literally 100% a product of public school. Mm-hmm. Don't want to knock public school. No. I don't think it's a perfect situation, but just like with homeschooling, it's, it's, it's neither perfect. one is perfect. Nope. There are drawbacks to both. And so I don't want it to come across like we were sitting here bashing public school. My last assignment in the police department was actually as a school resource officer. So I spent uh, literally years, uh, you know, kind of revolving around the different schools within my portion of the school district. You were a former public school teacher. There are tremendous benefits to come with mm-hmm. public schooling. However, for us, I think as from an educational perspective, I think there are just a number of drawbacks and that's a huge part of our um, reasoning behind making the decision to actually homeschool our kids. Yeah, there's pros and cons to both. I think the, and there's huge pros and cons to both really. And there are, there are massive cons to homeschooling. Um, I think that they do not outweigh the cons of the public school. However, as a public school teacher, I definitely saw that there were kids that could thrive. There were kids that would still come out of the public school system and be innovators and be creators and be a, start these massive businesses mm-hmm. and, and, and find great success with that because that system worked for them and it worked for their brain and their way of thinking and their but personality. Entrepreneurial ventures are not at the forefront of right. what gets pushed onto these kids in well, the public school system, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I don't think it does because when the school system began what it was, so it was actually a model. Um, do you know what the Prussians are? No. So the Prussians were like... Wait, Prussians? Yeah. I'm vaguely familiar. The, the, it's like a, like, it was like part of the German... Again, public school kid, sorry. So <laughs> the Prussians invaded Poland and in they were trying to get the Polish people to basically pledge allegiance to the German government king queen all of that and this is in what the 30s 40s this was no it was before that this was set me up here this was like in the 1800s okay and so they couldn't get the adults to convert like they were never going to get the polish adults to accept the the prussian rules and way of being yeah so they created a school system and it was that was kind of where our model of public school came from. It is where our model of public school came from, was from the Prussians. What's the expression? Is that what this stems from, where you control the youth, you control the future? No, that was Hitler. Okay. <laughs> that and, was and, getting children early. And this is the kindergarten model and this all was, of that. This right? was getting okay. children at four and five Just years old. Thank you. Um, the Hitler youth, the he who said, he who controls the children control the future. And right. so they, that's where the idea of okay. kindergarten so this is. This is after the Prussians. From. So this was after the Prussians. So the... Um, it was actually, gosh, what was his name? Mann was his last name. And he he wanted to start, he was an American, and he wanted to start getting the children to, to listen to the government, to pledge allegiance to the government. You had all these free-spirited Americans that had just won the American Revolutionary War. These were rebels. And they were educating their own children to be such. And they were like, okay, we need to get control of this wild spirit that mm-hmm. is America. Mm-hmm. And so he started studying what the Prussians did in Poland because by requiring by law that these children attend these Prussian schools for eight years in one generation, they had control. Mm-hmm. And so the same were, thing applies. He who controls the, the mm-hmm. youth controls the future, but yet this is what we are modeling our current school system after is what you're saying. Yeah. So man went and started studying schools throughout the world. And then he found the Prussian school system and model and went, this is great. And he started sending American teachers over there to learn the train. Yeah. Yep. 
And then it wasn't until Rockefeller started putting, you know, billions of dollars in that it became like the public school and it mm-hmm. became um, required. But the model that became American schools came from that. And it was all about indoctrination. It, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's all that schools are, but that's not how it are. started. That's become a huge part of it, especially in our, our modern schools, unfortunately. Yeah. And you have to look at the roots of, of where something started yeah, it matters, and the reason it started and and why the motivations behind the it. motivation behind it yeah. thank you and um yeah it's just kind of continued so this whole this whole model that is our schools is new and i don't necessarily think that it's working for everybody for sure so conversely you now have things like uh unschooling which is a whole nother <laughs> don't even get me started on unschooling of schooling that is uh, somewhat controversial for uh, a number of reasons, I and think, I don't, yeah. I don't want to get into to, into that. You also referenced that China is now implementing some kind of yeah. artificial intelligence schools. Okay. Talk to me about that. So, so China, they're literally going to take over the world, and this is why they have such control of their. We just got flagged of their we students. Just got flagged. No, oh my gosh. So, well, it was funny because I, it was Joe Rogan actually that I was watching him, and then it came up on his podcast, and he went, "Oh my god, they're going to kill us." <laughs> <laughs> and and he wasn't kidding because the parents are willfully putting their children into this, basically this scientific AI lab. experiment. Yeah. It is a lab full of children and they walk in and there's robots. And then as soon as they sit at their desk, they put on these headbands and they have like electrodes behind the ears and one on the forehead. And it literally monitors their brain waves so that the teacher can see in real time, there's the kids' names, who is paying attention who is not, and they start it by sitting down in the morning and meditating so she can see, okay, who's meditating? That's how they start their day? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Through meditation. And then they go into these math lessons. Is this the equivalent of like Chinese public school or is this like a very specialized? It's an experiment right now, but they're hoping to implement it into all of their schools. Nationwide. And so they they went there and they interviewed parents like, do you see a problem with this? Like, why are you volunteering kids? Don't and she was it. like, no, it's for the um the mom said like no this is for research for our country so i see no problem with it as she ushers her four-year-old baby into china yeah and so very china the parents also get a real-time reading of not only their child but every child in the class so if you're not paying attention it will monitor if they look at their phones it will monitor if they yawn it will monitor if they're looking off and and daydreaming Mm -hmm. and all the parents get a real-time reading. So you can be like, um, Sally is not paying attention and you can't hang out with her because she's a scatterbrain. And and so it's like you're literally publicly scrutinized by every parent plus the teacher. So the teacher, they were showing, they were doing a math lesson and everyone had their little chart was like, whoop, whoop, which meant they were thinking. Mm-hmm. And then there were a couple of the charts were down here, like the kids had lost it. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe it meant that they didn't understand or they were thinking about something else. And she could go over to that child and say, hey, we need to get back on track here. That is a terrifying premise for a weird sci-fi movie. Yeah. And in all the public schools, they wear these vests. So this is not just a, this is all the public schools. They wear these vests with trackers in them and they're all given an ID. So as they're moving around the school, they have ID trackers on them. So there's no skipping class there, not in China. And so... Meanwhile, I look out the window and my kids are throwing dirt at each other. And I'm like, I'm free range homeschooling and I'm going, oh, geez, you know, it's such a polar opposite. Yeah. So I can't imagine being one of those kids. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no. Like the constant anxiety that you are just like living with at any given moment. You must be dialed in at all times. And I, I can't really imagine that. So will they succeed better in the world stage because of it probably yes long term yeah because they will they're, follow they're, rules they're they making follow disciplined orders. soldiers yep. meanwhile here we are doing uh i'd argue we're doing the the polar opposite yeah we're kind of raising we're creating social justice warriors rather than <laughs> actual warriors in the in the public school yes i think that we are we're we're churning out a lot of that yes. um in the homeschool environment I think that we will, it's going, this is one of the downfalls and one of the strengths of homeschooling is that it, there is no rigid schedule. So our children have not learned to get up, eat breakfast, get dressed, be at the bus. You miss that bus by two minutes, 
you're walking to school or your mom's ticked off because she has to now drive you in her bathrobe. Um, yeah, also not good. I will be the first one to say like the, the lack of structure with our, our style of schooling. Uh, I, I wish we'd do better in that department, but it is what it is. So. I think that there's pros and cons to it. There are for sure. Like it's, it's much more relaxed. It's much more, um, it's, it's great if you're, you know, one of our kids and yeah. the, the, <laughs> the bar is set very low as far as like, you know, Hey, rigidness, get to it, stick to the schedule, make mm-hmm. sure you're paying attention. It's, it's a little more free flowing, a little more, Hey, get it done in your own pace. So I think the cons of that are that you can fall behind. Yeah. Um, you don't learn to live a scheduled regimented life so if you ever want to take on a job that does require you to be there clocking in at 9 a.m and you need to time management things like that are all learned through public school or private school or charter school Uh, getting up and having to be somewhere at a young age you learn that when you homeschool you don't necessarily learn that and so that can be a challenge as you get older but it can also be positive thing because our children may never be happy in those roles and so they may seek out ways to be entrepreneurs to be um, leaders and they are forced to learn self-discipline because if you don't have self-discipline you're going to fail at homeschool yeah so they do learn to be self-disciplined they do learn to self-regulate their time but if they are ever put in a situation whether they want it or not where they don't have that control they're going to struggle so ultimately, we don't know what's best. I mean, we do our best, but we don't know what is best. It could be that the way we currently do things, hey, 10, 15 years from now, we look back and go, wow, we really screwed up in this this area. We should have done it this way instead. But, uh, you know, we're, we're very well-intentioned parents. Obviously, we feel as though that we are currently doing what is best for our kids. Yeah. We'll see down the road. Yeah, I, I think that the way that we have done our homeschool, and I think the way that that most homeschool parents are is you try to cater the education to the personality of the child. That's something that as a teacher, I, I can tell you is impossible in a school environment. I can't cater as a, when I taught kindergarten, I had 19 AM students, 19 PM students. So I was looking at 38 little faces. I could not curate learning around the personality of a child that was struggling in that environment. And as much as I may want to, I couldn't do it. And so I think parents need to take if you're if you're going to be choosing the whole public school, charter school, private school route, you need to take a very active role in the education of your child. I had kids that were struggling to read and I would send home easy reader books like you have to work with them at night because I don't have the time to do it in the classroom. I can't. Right. So your child is going to be behind from kindergarten on if we don't tackle this now, you have to do this at night. Most of the time the parents would sit and do the readers, but one time I got a letter back in the bag. The readers had not been open. You could tell they didn't have that little crease, the little paper Bob books. And I got a note saying, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, or, uh, that's what you get paid for or something like that. And I was like, you know, you can't be that standoffish with your child and their education. You can't outsource everything that's important. Yeah. How do you not have a vested interest as a parent in the education that your child receives? And how, how is it that you want like no part of it? How, how is it? Why is it that we are so comfortable with outsourcing that Right. And, and, and being adamant about it? Yeah. I think a child can succeed in any school system as long as the parent is paying attention and making um just taking an active role. Yeah, this is where my should. child is struggling. They're struggling with their times tables. I'm not going to rely on the school system that cannot master this with my child, obviously. Like they're struggling because whatever they're doing in the classroom isn't working for them. I'm going to take this into my own hands. So, I mean, I struggled greatly at reading and my mom bought hooked on phonics for me in the second grade. <laughs> did it work for you, it, Melissa? Hooked on phonics worked for me. <laughs> it did. And she spent, we did 20 to 30 minutes after dinner and I hated every second of it, but all of a sudden I could read and I wasn't able to do that in the private school that I was attending because I was so far behind at that point. So you were also deaf or hearing impaired as a kid. You should maybe touch upon that oh, and explain that to, to yeah. people watching and listening. Yes. So I was hearing impaired as a child. I was, I was born that way. And through different surgeries, I was able to regain some of the hearing. So I'm still pretty much 80% deaf on the left. That's why I sit with you over here. What? No. What? I don't know. Sorry. I can't hear you. So 
over on this side, like I can't talk on the phone on my left ear. I, I can't. You should hear. just get rid of this side of your head headphones. Yeah, I don't even know why it's there. One side only. Oh, uh, I can hear. Like 20%. you work at a call center or something. Yeah, so it definitely affected my speech pattern growing up, and there was, you know, there was a little bit of teasing and stuff that went on with that. I spoke as though I could not hear because yeah, I couldn't. Right. So. You know, I, I told kids my name was Mejija because <laughs> for me, that's what it looked like when someone would say Melissa. So I would say Mejija. Because you were a lip reader. A lip reader, when yeah. When you struggled, yeah, to try to make up for it. So I just attended regular school, but I was not learning to read and write because I could not hear the teacher. And so by the time I got into second grade and I was able to actually participate in the classroom, I was so far behind. And my mom had to take that reading it was her responsibility because I was her child and I was struggling and she made sure that I was ready to go on into the third and fourth grade. And it did take a few years to catch up. I mean, I still have things. I still say things funny. Like sometimes when I'm speaking, people are like, oh, she's had too much wine. It's like, no, I just, that's just how I pronounce. But also she has had too much wine. <laughs> I probably <laughs> had some wine, but I do just pronounce things funny. So yeah, it just is what it is. So I think that Going into the school year, your child can succeed in any of these areas, any of these places, any of these models, if you recognize them for what they are, take the benefits of them, and then and then build on their weaknesses and pay attention to what your child is doing. And if you're a homeschool parent, you have the same responsibility to make sure that you provide them with social opportunities and pay attention to what their interests are and... And that's the beauty of homeschool. You can say, my kid's really interested in this and we're just going to like hammer away at this. But don't only do that. Because if you do just child-led learning, which is a lot of what the homeschool model or the unschool model is, is child-led learning, your child may never let you know that they're interested in spelling, (laughs) but they still need that in life. Mm -hmm. So the basics. Yeah. Focus on the basics. If I just let my child like eat with child-led eating... (laughs) They're going to go to bed with a bellyache. So we're still their parents. We're still their their guides. And you still have to learn the basics. They need to know how to read. They need to know how to write properly and well. Please teach your children to write. Um, They need to know how to communicate with their peers and those that are older than them. So there's things that that you, you need to make sure that you're doing no matter what form of school you choose for your children. Agreed. Yeah. It's going to be... It's going to be a good year for everybody, and I'm hoping that we don't end up. I'm going to ask you again in like November or December if it's still a great year. Yeah. We're having a good time. It's going to be great. I think we as parents just need to make sure that we're playing an active role no matter what schools are. It is good, but it's not always fun either, right? I mean, there are are pretty Uh, regularly times of frustration with homeschooling. It's not always the easiest thing to do, mm -hmm. which is why it falls on you because I think I – honestly, I lack the patience to do it oftentimes. And I, and I, I take on my own uh, like I try to teach the kids life skills right? Um, rather than like handling the academic side of things because that's just, that's your background. That's what you're, you were, you know, trained to do yeah. and what you actually did as a line of work for a long time. So of course that kind of falls on you. But. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessary either. And I think that scares a lot of parents away from homeschools. I have a lot, hundreds yeah. of messages a year that are like, I wish I could homeschool. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, well, okay, well, is this is it because you're a single mom and you're working and like, it just really isn't feasible to have your, you know, small children out of school while you have to be at work. And, and then we'll be like, no, um, I just don't trust myself. I don't think I'm able. And I always give every parent, um, mother or father that has a desire to homeschool, but lacks the confidence to feel that they can take their child's education, which is extremely important into their own hands. I always tell them there is no teacher coach, person in the world who cares more about who your child ultimately becomes than you. And there is also no one on this green earth that knows your child more than you. You watch the expression on their face when they learn to roll over, to take their first steps. You understand your child and you are the best equipped person to educate them because you care the most about them. And as long as you take as long as you try and you put your all into educating your child, you are going to give them a decent, good education. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but it's no. possible. Right. I think it's possible if you have the desire and you do the research and you put in the hours and you put in the work. It's a lot of effort. And you're there. It's you doable. can do it. Like, don't right. let fear scare you away from it. 
if you have the, the actual desire to do it. Perfect. Yeah. On that note, you have anything else to add? No, I think this is going to be a great school year for everybody. Great school year for everybody. <laughs> um, side note with the podcast here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we have another guest that has tentatively committed to coming in. Um, huge guest for us. Super excited about that. Hopefully you guys will uh, share in our enthusiasm when it comes to uh, the conversation that we we're hoping to have with her. Um, on the good, simple living side of things, just continued projects. We have the toy drive coming up, right? Yeah. We're looking forward to that as well. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting. We're going to be announcing the official launch of that this year. We are adopting 25 pediatric cancer families. I already have the first 15 and I've already got them all on the registry. Um, and then we will have a financial goal as we do every year. This is our fourth pediatric cancer toy drive. I'm so, so excited about it. And then we're just going to be focusing on a few other different things and to try to make this the best year ever. But fourth it's the best annual, time isn't that year. crazy? Four yeah. years of doing this. Yeah, it is my favorite time of year. It it makes the whole YouTube thing so, so worth it. I'm I feel extremely privileged and grateful to be in a situation where we can take something that we've always done. So this is probably like our 10th uh Christmas of doing something. We've yeah. always done it with the kids, whether we adopted a family or a women's shelter or a pediatric cancer family. We always adopted a family and did some kind of a charity for Christmas. But once we started YouTubing, it, we were able to embrace 150 kids instead of one far more impactful through, yeah it's, it's by far the, all of you yeah. by far the best thing that we uh, collectively do together with you guys throughout yeah. the year so um looking forward to that as well new podcast next wednesday yep. 8 a.m and then a new good simple video on every saturday yep most saturdays yeah okay we'll see you guys thanks for being here really appreciate you uh tuning in and watching we'll see you next time